up to $26,000 per employee? They call it the 15-minute refund, but it's not a gimmick. It's for business owners who stuck it out during the pandemic. The Employee Retention Tax Credit, or ERTC. But time is running out to get started. Talk to the experts. JWC Advisors at iHeartTaxRefunds.com. Who are they? CPAs who will keep you on the right side of the IRS. So do it the right way. Go to iHeartTaxRefunds.com. That's iHeartTaxRefunds.com. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. So... We are live here in South by Southwest, the right. Greek Daily House. Uh, this is Karim Nurani at Link2, from Link2 in San Francisco. We're doing the D stuff, deprivatization of investment strategies, investment opportunities in the secondary market. I'm here today, very, very excited, <clears throat> with Adam Anderson, Investor and Managing General Partner of Anzus Capital. Now, we may go in various directions, but... Uh, you got to be able to keep up because this is going to be fast and fast paced. So you might have to listen to this podcast three or four times to understand what's going on. Adam, I am very excited about having here, you here today. Would you introduce yourself a little bit more? Because I'm sure I haven't covered enough. Um, absolutely. This is, by the way, so fun. Uh, it's cool to be face-to-face as opposed to be over a Zoom call or anything like that. So this is so cool. So um about 23 years as a cybersecurity entrepreneur, sold my company, moved into investing into cybersecurity companies, decided I didn't want to sell fear for the rest of my life. I wanted to start doing hope. And so I got interested in space entrepreneurship. So you're meeting me on a transition from being active in protecting the world and trying to eradicate cybercrime through investing into early stage cybersecurity companies to being what I really want to be when I grow up, which is a space entrepreneur. And the way we're getting into that particular thing is by building cybersecurity companies for the space industry. But I am spilling my candy way too much. Uh, the, the thing that I really wanted to chat today about is just that whole experience of how do you support those entrepreneurs who are brave enough to go and do and take all these risks? And, you know, what's that relationship like? So anyway, uh, I'm completely nerding out and I'm ready to go. <laughs> so interesting. So you're an author of several books, but I understand your wife. <laughs> We're going who's right there. <laughs> who's currently not with us is in South Carolina, outsold your books. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how that happened, what the title of the book is. Yeah. So I, I wrote five books on cybersecurity and they were really dry. I thought it was funny and hilarious. Nobody else backed that up. And so she writes a book called uh, In Bed with the Business, The Entrepreneurial Spouse's Survival Guide. And on day one, it's Amazon bestsellers. And she outsells me by like so much. It turns out there is a real appetite for understanding the spousal relationship in entrepreneurship. Because like when we do this stuff, we're bringing our entire family along with us. We're bringing our entire friends groups along with us. And even if they don't fully understand the, uh, the trials and tribulations, we're happening to them and she needed to have her voice heard. And so I was like, you're wicked smart, write your own book. And so she's like, you know what? 
yeah, screw you. I'm going to. And I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> and she did. She's amazing. She's my favorite person. That leads us to this supporting entrepreneurs building outstanding businesses. Now, at Link2, what we try to do is understand how businesses are created and what's going to drive their, uh, their growth. And it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's starting from a startup environment to a growth company to a pre-IPO company. Uh, and this is what we look for. So tell us, how do you understand the mind of an entrepreneur and guide them to make those achievements and successes? So I love that you split that out into different phases, right? There are different phases of entrepreneurship. Uh, I say business happens to them, by them, through them, and then for them. And the, you know, to them is kind of the very first startup stage. And they, business is really a traumatic experience. They're trying to get their first customers. They're trying to get the model right. Is, does anybody want to buy what they have? And at each different one of these phases, there's a different emotional journey. And if you don't plug into the entrepreneur's emotions and help support them in their fear and their hopes, the thing that we are worried about is burnout. Because, I mean, how many great entrepreneurs have you seen have these amazing companies and everything seems like it's going great. And the entrepreneur just makes some basic mistakes and fails and burns out. And that's usually because they lack support in some form or fashion. And we can dive into all that kind of stuff, but it's not enough to simply write a check. It's not enough to simply give uh, opinions, right? Hey, this is what you should do. What they really need is community support, someone to love on them and say, I know this is really hard. I know this is impacting your life. I know you should be making more money and you can get a corporate job. Actually, most by that point, most entrepreneurs cannot get corporate jobs. They're like, <laughs> ah, man, I'm broken. I, I got it. I'm all in because I got nothing else. Right. And so I think the number one most important thing that I can do to help an entrepreneur is shut up and listen and be empathetic to their story. Because I remember I was flying back from a place called Frying Pan Tower. It's 34 miles into the Atlantic. It's an old Coast Guard life uh, tower that... Um, uh, was turned into a, a bed and breakfast. And so you get out there by helicopter and I was riding back and uh, being that annoying guy who's playing riding the Valkyries into the microphone the entire way. And we, we, uh, me and this other entrepreneur would go to this bar waiting for everyone to come back. And I looked at him and said, Hey, I, you probably don't hear this a lot. You're doing a great job. And I saw this grown man, 55 years old, breaking into tears. Nobody tells him he's doing a great job. And there's just so much weight sitting on the entrepreneur's shoulders. And as they go through life, not have, I mean, always being the boss, right? You get it, right? It's, it's like, if you're always in control, if you're always the boss, nobody is there to help you and you're there to help everyone else. Great companies fracture when people break. And that's what I'm all about. How do we help them not break? Uh, leading, <clears throat> leading up to that, Uh, You talked a little bit about experiential networking Mm -hmm. and how creating stress or putting founders in situations of stress and rapid decision making, Mm -hmm. what that shows you. Tell us a little bit more about that. So in the way the world usually works is you meet a nice person or a group of people, and then you naturally progress a relationship. And by the time you're two to three years into that relationship, you know, like, and trust each other. And you probably are able to call that person and ask for a favor. Uh, we don't have that much time. So what we do is experiential based networking is we create experiences that over the course of four days, four to five days, you get three years worth of relationship building. And usually we use three different levers. The first one is adrenaline. 
And that's what you were talking about with the, uh, um, you know, putting them under stress. Like the last one we did in Vegas, where we're jumping trucks and we're racing cars and I was throwing up in a stunt plane, not too proud, but you know, the guy <laughs> said you were going to give out before this plane did. And he was right. It was not my proudest moment, but it was also amazing fun. Those guys really, really bonded over that four days of adrenaline based behavior. But at the same time, the reason why we don't just say adrenaline based networking is that you also need to hit the whole gamut of emotions. And so you do networking on, um, you know, we did Cabo the other uh, a couple months back and it was much more laid back. And what we did, was we invited all the families. So it was the entrepreneurs and the spouses and their children. And so with experiential based networking, we're trying to increase the speed where you can build really good relationships. And we're trying to look at the entire ecosystem of your life, because if you make great relationships with another human being and your family isn't involved or not even in the radar, that's not a healthy thing. That's not sustainable. And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, I wonder sometimes if I'm just doing this as an excuse for me to take amazing vacations and that could be a yes. And <laughs> yeah, I'm going to vacation with you the next time. Right on. <laughs> but a little bit of a background experience for myself, actually, I've, uh, I jumped out of planes, went scuba diving with sharks Ooh. and have also, and do regularly drive very fast around a racetrack. Yes. Um, and what I have learned actually now, these are all individual things, as you noticed, which is scuba diving, race, race car driving, and jumping out of planes. But what it gives me is a sense of perception, mm. uh, judgment, and patience, as well as when to be aggressive or not. Because at, at these points, mm-hmm. you're faced with opportunities and situations, situations and circumstances that you have to be very, very calm about because yeah. any wrong decision, you're down the toilet. Absolutely. Um, so I appreciate that. So it, it's really interesting that you do what you do in that sort of experiential um, networking environment. And I would encourage everyone who hasn't to get involved with that. Oh, yeah. But let's get into a little bit more serious stuff. Not that everything that we've talked about is not serious, but <laughs> cybersecurity in space. It's mm-hmm. stuff that is happening today all around us rapidly, um, especially the space technologies that people are perhaps are not paying enough t- um, attention to. Right. Uh, there's commerce in space. There's mining in space. There's creating and discovery of drugs in space just because of the environment that they're in. Yes. Give us some background of where you're seeing space technologies evolve to. So from... My background in cybersecurity, what I'm really interested in has all these connections happen between digital and physical devices, right? And so by approaching the space industry from a cybersecurity point of view, I'm looking at all of the moving parts. And so that's very cool because we get to see that technology innovation is outpacing our ability to secure it. And so as we get better with satellites, as we get better with new kinds of networks, that's it's the things that really drive me and interest me are travel in space, meaning um, leaving from one part of the world, getting to another part of the world in an hour rather than 24 hours. It's um, discovering resources in other celestial bodies because we're destroying our planet and nobody actually wants to. One of the, the my best buddies is a, a strip miner 
He doesn't want to be a strip miner. The reason why the mining industry puts so much money into mining asteroids is because they're wonderful human beings who don't want to dig up a mountain. The humanity is wonderful. And the thing that's great about space is that it gives us an access to unlimited resources. And conflict starts when we have limited resources. So I think of space as the most hopeful thing that we can possibly do. Um, one of the things that I did uh, was I joined an organization called Space for Humanity. It's a nonprofit. I'm on the board of advisors and it's to space for Earth. And if cybersecurity and technology can be leveraged to help save our planet by allowing us to explore our solar system, I can think of nothing higher value that I could possibly do to leave a legacy for my kids and for my kids, kids and for the world. Um, that's why this space thing is so important to me is humanity deserves a chance to mature and grow in a world and an environment that is not limited by resources and scarcity. And to me, that's what space can do. That's going to lead us down into several rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Good. actually, I should call it wormholes. There you go. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Wait, let's let's do that. Let's call it wormholes. <laughs> so, help us understand the difference between inner space, mid space, and outer space, because yeah. I know there are ge geopolitical um, restrictions on ownership of space within limits. I think it's what sixty miles yeah. above the Earth. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, concern about airspace, right? So, so some of the things are like who gets to put satellites where. And the, the trick is, is whoever's military can enforce their will. So that we have partnerships, um, not partnerships, sorry, we have uh, international agreements with airspace because at one point in time, air forces were the thing. So we could affect our will into an airspace. And therefore, because there was a will, we can all come up with agreements on how we share airspace. We don't have that for outer space yet. So past a certain level, when people say, hey, I'm going to sell you some land on the moon, and then the question is, who owns the moon? And tongue in cheek, I say, whoever's military gets there first. It's a, it's a sad but, but truth is that we try to do as much as we possibly can. But as you're writing the rules, um, humanity has a history of the might and the military that's in place often gets to set the rules. So the current space race that you're seeing is in echo of all of these resources that are up for grabs and that if we can get there and we can do these things, then we have a disproportionate amount of influence back on our planet. So on the one hand, I'm very, very encouraged that humanity has a chance to become something better. And on the other hand, I'm a little bit discouraged because might makes right at some point in time. And the first military that gets a foothold, it would be a true shame to export that part of humanity to space. And so I think having open conversations, having great conversations and negotiations, I mean, the stuff that's going on with the International Space Station right now with uh, today's current co uh, conflict, it's it's heartbreaking because we're taking steps backwards. So we're opening up and talking about the asteroid in the room now. Oh, there you, oh I like how you did that. All right. There you go. If we look at the current conflict that exists which might spill out into a global crisis between geopolitical powers. Yeah. And we look at your background in cybersecurity and space mm -hmm. and who owns space and outer space and airspace. Where do you see this netting out in terms of conflict? I know this is a difficult question. Yeah. 
But some ideas on that. So it's an important question, even though I'm going to have imperfect answers. Um, The first part of this is an upfront conversation is how does cyber warfare work? Um, There is nation state against nation state. And each of these superpowers have amazing capabilities to harm each other from a cybersecurity point of view or cyber warfare point of view. Matter of fact, most kinetic physical conflicts start with cyber war as a precursor where we shut down infrastructure, where we stop power from working, where we disrupt cell phones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the kinetic war then follows it. And as the digital footprint of how we operate begins to grow and reaches into space, then the theater of war also grows and continues to expand. So a few months ago, I think it was November, uh, a satellite was shot down. And that was demonstrating that we have the ability to shoot down satellites. Don't put your spy satellites over my land. So you're asking all the right questions. I have no idea how this thing is going to play out. But I do know that there's a lot of frightening capability out there. And without really stepping forward and handling this in a um, humane way where we have conversations, uh, it can spin out of control. It's 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 terrifying what can happen. Um, but I choose to bet on humanity. I think that good people are going to do good things and we're going to find our way out of this. Betting on humanity, that is uh, the topic, the conversation of today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Link2 is making its decision, like we all have choices. Link2 has made its decision today to contribute to the Euro- Ukraine crisis. Uh, if you're interested, uh, for each of you that goes on to the Link2 site, uh, makes a transaction. We're contributing a thousand dollars per transaction to support the Ukraine crisis today. That's my plug for Link Two. But more importantly, I think the biggest story is choices. We mm. all have the opportunity today to make our independent choices. Unlike a lot of people who exist in various parts of the global environment, whether it's the unbanked, underbanked, refugee crisis people involved in, in warfare uh, and conflict, as you see today, happening in between Ukraine and Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't want to end on that note. No, it's not. Uh, Adam, tell us about the most exciting innovation technology that you see that we need to pay attention to over the next 24 months. Ooh. So I'm going to sound a little fanboy here, but you need to keep your eye on the moon. You need to be keeping your eye on the companies that NASA has backed to discover how do we get water on the moon. The reason why is that the thing that's going to unlock all of the rest of this amazing space stuff is can human beings exist and colonize? And for that, we need oxygen, we need moons, and we need, uh, we need moons. We need oxygen, we need water, and we need the ability to live inside of all this radiation that's all over the, the world. And it all starts with if we can find and collect water on other celestial bodies, then this game has really changed. And we're going to see that in the next two years, somebody proving that we can actually collect water outside of our planet. Wow. Well, you're hearing it first. Uh, Adam Anderson of Anus Capital. In two years from today, what's the date today? March 
Oh, you're really 11. putting the line in the sand. 2022. So March 10th, 2024, the bet is that we will find water somewhere out there that enables sustainability and the continuation of a good yep. good planet Earth, I would say. Well, and I also plan on making moonshine with that on the moon. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we end, Adam, thank you so much for your time today. Have you some closing words of who you would like to connect with you, what you would like to see, and um, how? What, what would those few words be? So the people I'm trying to help are folks who are starting cybersecurity companies and they need support either from financial, networking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're a cybersecurity entrepreneur or an entrepreneur who wants to avoid burnout and, you know, Come play with me. I want to talk to you. Also, I'm solving the problem where if you want to invest and you want to make the world a better place through cybersecurity in eradicating cybercrime in the next 30 years and you have capital you need to deploy, give me a call. Wonderful. And whoa, before, what is the next book that you're going to write that's going to outsell your spouses? Already wrote it and it didn't work. <laughs> I, I wrote fire yourself, the entrepreneurial end game. Cause I was like, I probably need to tap into emotion as well. So how do you fire yourself from your business and let it run on autopilot? And I was like, I got this. It's going to be, oh man, she's just, she's crushing me. What is your wife's name? Carrie Anderson. Carrie Anderson has just fired Adam ah! Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a gift. No, I mean, when my business bestie is my wife, I got to tell you guys, it is the most fun. It is the best. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I hope you had a great time today on this podcast. Uh, we, we wish you well and we wish you success. And your success will also be reflective of our success as a community. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Up to $26,000 per employee? They call it the 15-minute refund, but it's not a gimmick. It's for business owners who stuck it out during the pandemic. The Employee Retention Tax Credit, or ERTC. But time is running out to get started. Talk to the experts. JWC Advisors at iHeartTaxRefunds.com. Who are they? CPAs who will keep you on the right side of the IRS. So do it the right way. Go to iHeartTaxRefunds.com. That's iHeartTaxRefunds.com. Thank you.